This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today I have my Florida down the street, all the way in Miami, neighbor. And so we're enjoying this son, Marin Belinda. She's going to give us the game on how she is a transformational coach. You might have seen, and if you haven't, go Google her, and you will see her TED Talk. I'll try to have all her links in the description, especially her website, so you can tap in in case you need services. Marion, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me, Kellen. I'm really glad to be here. I'm doing well. And I'm thankful that Stephen Matley, my Seattle brother from another mother, where we spent some good time and years, um, connected us and said, oh, you got to talk to her. And I'm like, okay, awesome, Steve. Steve always has good people. So yeah. I want to get right into it. Let's do it. Right into it. This transformation um, coaching that you do, I mean, you have a true testimony. Um, you know, you've gone through it. Your TED Talk, we don't have to rehash that because I want people to go to it because you did such an excellent job. But, I mean, yeah. you had real trauma, and it was from, and I cringe when I even think about it because I have two daughters from the closest person that I think, because I take care of my kids, like always mm -hmm. with them, right? They're my entourage. From the closest person, your father, and you've bounced back and you were still, you know, like a shell of your person. So I just kind of, you know, you were a shell of your person, perfect, Miss Perfect, everything. Um, I need to know, how did you get out of like just... I'm, this is my truth. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to inspire others and help them. Let me take you back a little bit because I think you really have to learn the foundation of it in order, right, to move forward. And I always tell like our past, whatever it is, doesn't define us, but we can use it as our fire fuel to motivate us to channel into what we want to create, especially as entrepreneurs, right? Um, the whole like forget, you don't have to, for, you, you don't have to forget. I, I really believe in using all that's a part of us from our past into and channeling it into a new reality, a new business that we want to create. So I came from a very traditional Catholic Filipino upbringing. It was very strict. I, I was expected to excel at all parts. And so I was always that, that kid who was, you know, top of the school, top grades, and then conditioned that way to always follow the, this checkbox, right? We're told to follow the American, Amer quote unquote, American dream, go to a great college, have a great career, all of that stuff. Um, I didn't become a nurse or doctor, which is what my parents would have wanted, of course. <laughs> um, but shout out to all the Filipino nurses and doctors out there. You guys are OGs. And, um, but I had always learned to live this double life. You know, everything on the outside had to look perfect. So, but internally, I didn't address a lot of the childhood trauma, the addictions, all of that, because we're not taught. We're taught to like put it under the rug, not talk about it, not speak of it, as long as on the outside, everything looked perfect. So by the time I was 27, marketing director, I lived in LA. So I, at the same time also did, I had a food blog. So I was, uh, I got picked up by CBS LA to write for them. I did TV, all of that stuff. And I didn't address a lot of the internal things. And so 
in 2014, uh, I actually had a near-death experience. Uh, I overdosed and had a near-death experience that really was my wake-up call. And this showed me that, all right, whatever I was doing is not working, you know, not working at all. Like, what needs to change? And this really was my first experience of, like, what can I do differently that no one else has done in my family? You know, and this was, and for anyone watching, if you're an entrepreneur, whatever you're doing, you're going to be shaking some shit up, right? Because more often than not, you're creating something new. You're, you're trying to do something different. And so intuitively, I, after that experience, uh, moved to Miami. And here I started diving into a lot of things that I wasn't taught about. Uh, I started studying uh, hypnotherapy, working with plant medicines, shamans, uh, really got deep into meditation, ended up becoming certified in meditation and pranayama, and realized that was missing. I had always been in the very strategical, logical, masculine energy of the do, 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 which is, which is very useful. And I had ignored a lot of this other part, the intuition, the emotions, our mental health, right? And I realized that where my zone of genius was, was really synergizing both. This strategy, you know, what we need to do, the logical part, the masculine energy with the soul work, you know, the internal things that people don't see. How are we working on ourselves, on the energetics, on that feminine energy? And that's really become the core of my coaching and consulting business. I have a, a, a conscious business and mindset company. And everything that we do is all about social impact. It's a win-win-win. It's a different way of doing business. It's about people first, uh, then profits will come. And they always do. And how can we merge both to really change the way that we've been conditioned to think about business? So in short, that's really my journey. And where it is now is because of everything that I went through, is because I've used, you know, the, the fire fuel of my past to be like, no, I'm going to stop that cycle and I'm going to do something different with my life. And it really it's a step-by-step process. This did not happen overnight. This is a continuous learning journey. I believe that entrepreneurship is one of the biggest spiritual journeys we'll ever go on because it really challenges you to always evolve and grow. And um, for anyone working out there, just step-by-step, step-by-step. That's really, and before you know it, your life will be completely different as long as you continue taking those steps to improve your life, improve your business, and get really focused on what you want to create and accomplish. Now, I didn't know I was going to go here, but because you mentioned your Catholic background, and I'm not a fan of the Catholic Church, the same way I'm not a fan of the Baptist Church that I grew up with, because I find that there were certain things that didn't preach well. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I went deep and found out where the oldest Bible comes from, Ethiopia, and the books that they've taken out and been able to go Mm -hmm. to Ethiopia and ask the priest certain questions. Do you find that that Catholic uh, background helped you or did it hurt you in the formation because I and, and I say that because when we were running wild in the streets of Oakland you know we would 
go from church to running wild back and forth. But I'd always yeah. have a Bible with me, right? In the back, um, the, the New Testament. People say, for all the craziness, why do you have that Bible? I said, because my grandmother and my mother never lied to me. And all my aunts, they never lied. And they said, what's in this book is key to keep you on track. So a lot of people use religion to keep themselves on track, but some people go even deeper because the Bible talks about meditation. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there's multiple verses on, on that. And so do you think that the Catholic background helped or hurt in your process? So for me, it was, um, I'm not a part of any organized religion. Um, I consider myself spiritual and deep rooted in that uh, over in one religion. Uh, I've actually studied Hinduism and Buddhism uh, very uh, intensely as well and taken practices from that. I think from my own experience, because I cannot speak for everyone else, it I was always that one to question things, right? And you're right. What's actually now in the Bible, that was man-made and decided in the Council of Nicaea years ago to actually remove certain books and put in certain books to fit with a certain um, certain uh, story that they wanted to, a certain paradigm that they wanted to, you know, share with everyone, right? Um, and for me, I think it actually helped me question a lot of things, which I think everyone should question everything, right? And really, because ultimately, we know the truth. And I believe we do not need a mediator between us and source because we are connected to source. We are source. Whether you believe it or not, like we don't need an intermediary, right? Like we can have that deep connection with God, goddess, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think for me, I like the foundation of it and now in hindsight, there were definitely things that I loved, certain prayers, the Psalms are actually really, when people don't realize, Psalms um, are actually used in, in spell work and different things. It's beautiful. I, I love the messages and the parables and all that, but we also have to consider where, at what time we live now, right? You can't take everything literally. Also, the translation of the Bible, what we have now, has been translated so many times from the original source that a lot of things, you know, aren't directly accurately translated. So I think it helped give me a foundation, but what I believe now is so completely different and more based on the fact that we can take all the, the good that we want to bring into our life and, and, and our world and not the bad actions, right? I think the actions of the human beings, like what happened with the Catholic Church and the priests and keeping that secret, that's not what the actual Bible and the roots say. That's human beings that did all that horrible things. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I got you. And I, I just had to go there because when you're doing the transformation business, there's a lot of folks with church hurt from all denominations and people yeah. don't always know where to go. And they say, you know what, I'm just done with it all. But, you know, you, you, you need it. And and feel free to say what you want. We we say what we want. People don't have to agree. Um, we may not agree, but your your you know opinion is just that you are entitled to it and your feelings yeah. and nobody Nobody, um, you know, nobody can say anything. Um, well, I, I I'm very open. I'm very upfront. Yeah. So there's nothing yeah. I, I don't hide. I'm, I'm at that point in my life, I've shared some really <laughs> deep stuff that I, I'm beyond like putting like this is what it is. <laughs> For those that know me, they know, you know, I, I don't I don't hide anything. I don't even like hide 
offending people. Um, I'm somewhat of a uh, semi-pro comedian. I'm really funny. And and so I say what I say. Never mean to offend anyone, but what I said, I meant. And, you know, I, I can't be canceled because I have a place waiting for me overseas that I'm just waiting for, you know, someone to say or the government, hey, you got to go. Um, like, <laughs> really? Okay, you guys got the first class ticket? I'm out of here. Um, it's okay. But with you know with the type of clients that come to you um where are they at are they all entrepreneurs are they executives explain yeah so entrepreneurs but also executives and professionals so what i do is i really help revolutionary ceos entrepreneurs leaders who want to create holistic success in their business uh, and life because it all goes together, right? We can't separate it. You know, we can't like just turn, oh, especially entrepreneur, we're always thinking about what to create, how to, um, what to do, all these things. So holistic success for me is defined as health, wealth, purpose, and sacred love. And we get this through really that synergy that I talked about, uh, the, the strategy and the soul work. It's through energetics. It's how we live because there's a lot of people out there who make a lot of money, but don't feel fulfilled, right? We see it with celebrities who, who've, who've committed suicide, people who have all the money and don't feel a sense of purpose or don't have um, deep relationships. And there's also vice versa. I believe that money is an amazing tool if created consciously and circulated in a way that helps, you know, us really change what's going on in the world. So I help a lot of those who are successful entrepreneurs, CEOs, professionals who are done being burnt out, are done kind of doing things very linearly and want it all, the health, wealth, purpose, and deep relationships. Because I believe we truly can. We've just been taught by culture, society, that it's only one specific way to get there. When I think we have to include the whole person holistically. And how long does that training take? Because these are, you know, typically busy people. And I hate that word. It's a bad word. Um, <laughs> but, you know, folks are like, oh, man, I don't have time. Can you give me a pill? So what is that process like? Mm, yes. Uh, well, my the reason my business is called Thriver Lifestyle is because I don't believe in an overnight fix or pill. I believe this is something we commit to. So my clients work with me. Um, so I have certain programs from eight weeks and I have clients who've worked with me for years, two, three years. Right. And it's really how committed are you to making this as part of your your life and business? It's not like an overnight thing, right? How committed are you to really living this life of abundance, impact, success, but holistically, where you, you wake up feeling purposeful, fulfilled, you make money, but you also have deep relationships. It's not shallow and you're able to really contribute to the world in a better way. So we'll assume knowing, Steve, that you will do this for companies no matter what the size are. What are you seeing some of the mistakes that companies are doing in the diversity and inclusion? And, you know, how do you transform like a whole department or a whole, you know, company? Yeah. So I, I love that question because I do work on the consulting basis with certain companies and I'm very fortunate or now I don't work with anyone that I don't want to work with. And if you don't align with the values of my company, I, I don't care how much money you're going to pay me because even if I work with you, if you don't align in the values, you're not going to do that work. It's just performative, right? So it's not a win-win. 
it's just for you to say, oh, I did this work. I want like true change and results with my clients, whether they're individuals or companies. And so one, it's making sure we're aligned and we're all going towards the same track of having lasting change. Like it's a, a lasting change. That's the really key thing for me. And one of the things I, I see, um, especially because with ThriverCon, that's where I really work on the intersectionality of diversity, equity, and inclusion with organizations as well as with entrepreneurs, is that they think, like what I said, oh, let me just have this one workshop or this one talk or this one thing, and it's going to change everything, right? And like, that's it. That's the med. But uh, that's not true. Like it takes time, it takes people to change on an individual level in order to affect the greater change. And it has to be consistent. It has to be evolutionary. It's not a one-time thing. Like all of a sudden, okay, we're all great. We're super diverse and inclusive because we had a weekend workshop. It doesn't work that way. It's like, how committed are you, not just as a company, but as individuals to continue this work so that how you create your processes, how you create, how you hire, it's all part of it. It's not a checkbox. It's like literally ingrained into the spirit, the energy of the company, right? And that's how that company becomes. It's like an overall thing. And then once they hire, they, they hire people who are more diverse, who have the same values. And that has a, a conscious ripple effect into the future of the company, right? I believe it's a, it's a lasting. That's why for my consulting, I work with, with companies for at least a year, right? At least a year. Because to say that, oh, we're good. We know all the things when it comes to it after a month, like that, that to me doesn't create lasting change. No, I, I love that you said that. And I, I'll throw you um, a tip of a company who really needs the help that we are about to highlight, the PDA, which is just down the street. They, they definitely need the help. Um, they sent me a nice, their publicist sent me a nice note third-party publicists mm -hmm. saying how for black history, you know, they have their diversity person, their happy officer, all that good stuff. And I look at the person and I'm like, okay, I've seen many of white women talk about black issues, but you would think you could put a black face there, you know, since you guys have had so much bad history. But then I said, I'll take the interview. What's her availability? Oh, she only wants to do corporate and HR shows. I said, well, you don't know our audience. And I said, what she doesn't want are hard bar questions because I've seen the other interviews she's done. So they definitely need help because you send a white woman to talk about black history and then say, oh, I don't want to I don't want to do it. And the only black interview she's done was like the Harvard Review. So it was a bunch of softballs and they don't get it. They, they don't get it. So, you know, they would never do that to the Asian community for something Asian and then send a, I would hope not, an, a, 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 a white person to say, hey, I'd like to talk about this cultural little thing. And guess what, Mary? We're going to have lumpia there. So not knowing that there's so many other dishes in the Filipino culture, especially I'm, I'm going to murder it, the um, the milkfish. Where the fish and the Bangos? in the middle, bingsai. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that actually happens. I was actually talking to um, a, a potential client where we're, we're going through a connection process for a really large um, entertainment company. And they said, uh, yeah, so we're trying to have more diversity. We had a black speaker on a Latinx, but we didn't really know any Asian speakers. So we just put together something from information from Wikipedia. And I was like, oh my God, really? <laughs> like, 
they're like yeah i'm like come on they're like really there's so but i think people aren't willing that's another thing i think some companies aren't willing to do the extra digging if it's not readily like oh if it's not on a silver platter on my lap then it's too difficult right like come on it's not when you talk to the right people they'll have connections and connections you just have to really put that intentionality and effort to find the right people to to bring in to these companies so um yeah i i, I think it needs to be ingrained and for companies like that like pba or any other companies for me in order to work with a company like that i have to know that they're willing it doesn't seem like they're even willing for this change because they don't want to have hard questions which we have to talk about the hard so-called hard questions i think they're just real questions no change is going to happen if we just sugarcoat everything and you know talking about diversity I've, I've said for years um in entertainment and to you know friends behind the scenes companies behind the scenes the same way i, I fight for africa when I, I don't see the asian you know cultures the different ones mm -hmm. on tv whenever you see them it's i mean it's so stereotypical for most yep. i know there's that one or two shows somebody will say no there's one i'm not talking about one show there's mil tens of millions of people and you put one show on and you made it all seem like you know it was all just one thing i went to a high school that was half asian half white majority and i got to see there were some Asian folks in beautiful neighborhoods. They were more gangster than anybody else, right? And there were also those typical square nerds. But I knew guys who went to K-Town from the Bay Area to, you know, to hit K-Town on the weekends. And they come back, they'd always wear suits, you know. That was their thing. And they were really about that life. And I said, there needs to be a movie about this. And there is now, but it wasn't then. Better, better luck tomorrow is what it yeah. was. <laughs> I love, and I love that movie because... I, I can't say why, but that that movie, I'm like, OK, finally, we get some folks who don't know karate, aren't at the nail shop, don't necessarily have an accent. Their English yep. is as perfect as any American because American English is, you know, go to the UK. You'll find out how bad it is. But but, you know, it's I, I need to see that. And you being in Miami, I'd love to see you at a conference next year called the NATPE, where all of TV is. Have you heard of that one? No, I haven't. All of the behind the scenes TV, because even there, it's like they just don't get it. So more of us have to be there to let them know, hey, mm -hmm. I know that you have a black friend. I know you have a black wife. I know, I know, but you know, I know you have an Asian wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm Filipino. I'm not Chinese. But, you know, you know, people, they don't know how to decipher sometimes. Yeah, no, they but don't. Really... <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but talk about what are the are there any packages, whether it's entertainment colleges, PGA that you have for corporations like can they go back to school and can you multiply yourself and I, that's why i say courses and not mm -hmm. just you necessarily coming in because yep. you have to multiply yourself like are there any courses that you have or that you are forming to help these companies yeah so one of the things i'm actually uh 
launching this year. So I created ThriverCon and ThriverCon is an intentionally diverse uh, virtual conference. It was supposed to be in, a pers- in person, but COVID uh, virtual conference for BIPOC, for those who don't know, uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color, women of color, non-binary entrepreneurs and allies. And how this is created is so different from how other conferences are. Just a few examples is that it's intentionally diverse. Oftentimes at conferences, when I would go speak or um, attend entrepreneurship marketing conferences, diversity is an afterthought. Maybe there's like one or two people to add to make sure it's diverse, but everyone else is white on stage. Um, And so this is intentional that all of our speakers are. And this year we're even adding like true inclusivity, trans speakers, disability speakers. Uh, We're doing closed captioning, having someone do sign language. Um, And it's a win-win. We pay our speakers. We offer scholarships. We donate to a nonprofit. Last year was Annie Cannons, and they're a nonprofit that um, helps survivors of human trafficking become software engineers. So the conference is very win-win-win, and embedded in in the conference, the programming is different from that you would have at any other program. So there's like sessions on decolonization in business, decolonization in money, uh, women of color, you know, entrepreneurship, and like funding. And in between, we have somatic movement, Tai Chi, meditation, um, sound bowl healing, because it, it, it's, it's a very holistic uh, programming. And what I'm doing, because I've had actually several different companies and individuals ask, like, can you put together a course of how we can actually create something like this that is more intentionally diverse, equitable, and inclusive? So that is something that I'm creating after Thrivercon, because I think this is knowledge, and these are things that sometimes companies don't even think about, right? You're saying you're inclusive, but are you also inclusive to people with disabilities? Most of the time, people aren't. That's not true inclusivity, right? If you want to be inclusive, there's people who want to access your information. So how do you take these concepts of a win-win-win type of model and then transfer that into your company, whether it's starting with departments, um, how you have your processes, and then roll it out to the larger company. So that is something I am doing because of a few, I actually had a call last week um, with someone who used to be in politics who asked, who was like, you need to like, package everything that you've considered in this and, and put this into a, a program or course because it's things that people don't even think about when they think about diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the PDA and who they decide, you know, for the Black History Month, when you go through somebody's LinkedIn, it should show that type of work. Not just that you might have volunteered at like some golf thing for black girls, but like when I went through your LinkedIn, I see like even, um, what was it? East China University, you know? And I'm like, hold on. How, if she's Filipino, I mean- she I actually studied in, <laughs> yeah, in college. Um, my, I, I studied uh, Mandarin Chinese for two years and I studied abroad and lived in Singapore and Shanghai. And after, when I did work in corporate, I was actually part of um, different logistics departments that dealt with um, creating logistics and product with China and Taiwan. So I, I have that experience. I'm also on the board of a nonprofit for AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islanders, that I've been involved with for like over 10 years. And I could see from your LinkedIn, you had, you know, it was, it was just different things. It should look like that. Um, it, 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 there should be a mix. It should be a gumbo. And I know some folks will say, but all that stuff sounds Asian, but it's not all one thing. If you, I'm not going to say, 
you'll know. But you get certain Asians in the room, it might be a fight. The same way if you get a Mexican and a Spaniard, the conversation's always going to go, who stole the gold? It's always, you know, it, it's, it's some tension if you've been around enough. But I, I love that uh, about you. Now, with the success that you have had, and that you are going to have because the best is yet to come. What Absolutely. is a community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future? Uh, that community give back is baked into my personal values and the values of my company. So everything that we do always has that. It's not an afterthought. It's just in our, the DNA of myself and of the company. So, for example, ThriverCon. Uh, the community give back is not only the scholarships, but the programming, the how it's baked in, also the monetary um, donations we give to that nonprofit. Uh, so there's always that. And I believe in giving back to other minority owned businesses, women owned businesses, because literally studies have shown that when you do and more of those um those companies, especially uh, backed by women or POC, they actually help elevate the communities as a whole because they reinvest it back in the community. There's studies on micro lending and how that actually helps raise up the entire communities. So it's really for that. So continuously doing what we're already doing in the company. Um, and then uh, later on, I actually am getting into angel investing so that uh, for the majority of the time, um, Minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses aren't getting the same funding from VCs because they tend to fund other people who are in their network, which is primarily Ivy League white men. So it all just stays in that circle. So that's why I really believe, and this is what I teach my clients, my entrepreneurial clients, that more money, like it, we need to be successful and make money because we put that back into our communities. So um, angel investing so that uh, I can help fund and other startups, um, you know, created by women, women of color, POC. About your, your book, because you're great vibes, kind of like when I read the book, Give Work, um, which is an excellent book and how, you know, in a short time, Layla went around the world and just changed so many communities. What is your best-selling book on Amazon about? Yeah. So this was a book that I helped co-author. It's called, um, Unleash Your Voice, Powerful Public Speaking for Women. And uh, I helped co-author this with other amazing women speakers uh, to talk about how actually we need more women's voices to be heard from diverse backgrounds, diverse industries. Uh, I'm actually currently working on my own personal book uh, that talks about my journey uh, being a thriver and how we can put those same values, those same strategies, those same energetic work into truly thriving in life and business. So that's actually a book that I'm working on now. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And mm -hmm. you know, you have books, you have courses, you're in Miami, which is, I mean, I love being in Florida. Everybody is beautiful. Uh, any plans on a documentary or YouTube? Because I'm just a, a YouTube type of guy. That's where, you know, I have clients. I love my, my influencers, and, but I see so much where work that could be done in diversity on YouTube even if it's just to hook them sometimes to get people thinking, hey, you yeah. don't have to take that. That's bullying. 
Uh, I love that you say that because uh, I actually just got a new camera because uh, I, I'm like, okay, I got to get all this stuff um, on YouTube to just live there, to share not just my journey, but really a lot of that value of how I've been able to create and continue to create what I do, the mindset shifts, all of that. I actually am creating uh, a new YouTube channel that has all that information. I think it's so important. And, you know, okay, the documentary, well, I, I would love that's actually on my bucket list to have a doc because I think my life has been so crazy and but amazing that it needs to be told in documentary form like my family and everything I kind of grew up with it's like a telenovela it's like one of those Chinese those Korean dramas like seriously from like hidden families to like all this other stuff it's crazy but it's so interesting I actually think a documentary of my life would be awesome (laughs) Well, I, again, I said N-A-T-P-E, write it down. One thing you'll find when you go to that conference in particular is a lot of other countries like Turkey will buy the novellas and, and they want it. And I say it costs a lot to like translate um, a film, but mm-hmm. it's worth it. And it's like, OK, so whatever we do, we need to put it in, you know, um Spanish we can put it in this language as long as it has that novella type of feel to it because that I'm a big Nollywood type of guy and but I like Spanish TV um it's helped me with my Espanol just growing up you know watching things like Sabado Gallante and seeing how like hey there's no <laughs> commercials because the tide thing gets brought out like this right and you're like okay <laughs> at the end of, uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah de- 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 Definitely. Oh, I got a fun question for you being in Miami and I know you recently got married. We talked about that. You know, a lot of people don't know. They might not know what you are. They might be like, Hey, my man, you know, or maybe they say, you know, depending if you piss them off, but (laughs) uh, do, do people know that you're Asian in Miami or is Miami just all accepting? Uh, yes and no. So when I first moved here seven years ago, there was barely any Asian. So everyone would be like, ni hao or konnichiwa, or they were like, oh, you speak great English. I'm like, yes, I do. Like, <laughs> like yeah, cause they think Asians are just what you see on TV. But also, cause I have curly hair, depending on how I, I look, people also think I'm Spanish, you know, cause Filipinos have a lot of Spanish, you know, uh, it, mix in there. So I get a lot of different things. Um, and I actually don't get offended by it. You know, some people be like, oh, they're calling you like ching ching or all that. I, I take it as an opportunity sometimes to educate. I'm like, actually, no, um, there's so many different Asians around uh, and it's not just one. Uh, and I actually have, there was this, I have a funny story how I was like, you know what? I'm going to start like educating people because they don't realize the difference is I was, it was Art Basel. My cousin and I, she's also Filipina, um, went to a restaurant and this guy was like, oh, Asian started talking to us and was like, oh, are you guys Korean? We're like, no, we're Filipino. And he's like, I've been to Thailand. And then he starts showing all these pictures where he went to Thailand. And I was like, my cousin's like, I've never been there. And I'm like, I don't speak Thai. Like, we're not Thai. And he was like, yeah, yeah, Thai. And I was like, no. And so I turned it around and I was like, oh, so what are you? Are you Colombian? He's like, no, I'm Cuban. I'm like, oh, I thought you were Mexican. And he got so angry. And I was like, that's literally the same thing you just did to me. But he didn't get it. You know, it was just so I, I do that to people when they were like, oh, no, but you look like this. And I kind of play that, too. It's like, 
because people think here that there's differences, Colombian, Venezuelan, Brazilian, you know, Honduran, it's all different, right? And so I actually play that game with people for them to realize that that's what they're doing. So yeah, no, definitely. And the, um, you know, the, the whole, you can't tell, I couldn't tell at first what you were. I was like, huh, I wonder. And then, you know, I did some more digging and I'm like, oh, okay, she, she's a Panay, Panoy, Panoy, Panay. Uh, um, but I, I, I didn't know. So it, you could play whatever role you want to play you yeah. know, with, with, with TV. And we look at food and culture and dance. When you leave this country, you see, you know, a lot of things are mixed, um, you know, due to travels and just what mm -hmm. has been dropped off one place and picked off on, on another. So you don't know. And I just wondered, I just wanted to know, you know, in Miami, yeah. do they speak Spanish to you? And do you yes. understand it? Sometimes, uh, occasionally, you know, I do. I know directions, food. Filipino language has a lot of Spanish influence, so I can get by. I can't speak like full conversations, but I can get by. Okay, and even yeah. some of the last the last names. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's no, that's awesome. Uh, you guys, you guys have got the game. Like, share, subscribe. We had fun on this, but I will take it offline so you don't get a game overload. And <laughs> make sure you share it with somebody. Thank you for listening, or for those of you who actually watch on YouTube, I appreciate it. Any um, last words? Last words is that wherever you are in your journey, entrepreneurial, professional, whatever it is, just just continue and then and c continue also to listen and watch to shows like your show, to shows that that have diversity and inclusion. That's how you can support, right? Continue supporting other diverse creators, diverse businesses, inclusive businesses, uh, and continue on your path, like one step after the other. Just stay focused. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.